Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you heard all the rave about the new Quick Grill located inside the Be Quick Chevron on Veterans Boulevard? Come visit Be Quick Chevron along with Quick Grill, Be Quick Food Marts, your locally owned hometown convenience store, wherever you are. Celebrating the amazing people of coastal Mississippi and across this great state who are working hard to make this a great place to live, work, and play. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show. It's great to see you. Thanks for tuning in or joining us on YouTube or Facebook or your favorite podcast. This is where we celebrate uh, Mississippi, for that matter, and uh, all the m- amazing people who are working so hard to bring to make this a better place to live, work, and play. Hey, listen, not a bunch of speeches to give today, or in, any, any, even any quotes, for that matter. I'm going to be joined by my friend Hunter Dawkins. He's the he's the publisher from the Gazebo Gazette, and he's also a Super Talk uh, opinion contributor. And uh, we're thrilled to have a partnership with uh, with Hunter, and he joins me here periodically on my show. There's a lot of topics to talk about, but before we go any further, I just want to welcome my friend Hunter to uh, the Ricky Matthews Show. Good morning, Ricky. It's always good to see you, and I appreciate you and Kyle having me on. So. Good to see you too, man. Wow, you uh, you just got back in town from Texas like w- the wee hours of the morning, and you're still yeah. joining me, so thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. So look, um, man, there's a lot to talk about. Um, you know, we're in an election season right now. Uh, this is not a political show, so I don't get into how sure. I feel about various candidates or whatever. But, you know, the Harrison County Sheriff's race seems to have two really good candidates that are that are vying for that position. I've talked to incredibly good people on both sides of, of that race. And, you know, they, they both appear to have run good races. I mean, it's, we, we got a good selection there, don't we, buddy? Ricky, I'll be honest with you. I've never liked two candidates as much as I like these two guys. They are both qualified either way across the board. They're going to give positive impacts to the sheriff position. Now, there is, uh, and I'm not here to endorse anybody one way or the other like yourself, but there is a difference between what you're looking for for both candidates. Both candidates are very good people. Mr. Matt Haley, Mr. Lewis Elias, they're both great, but they're very distinctively different. And it depends on what you're looking for, because people ask me all the time, hey, who, who should we go for? Well, what are you wanting? What are you looking for? Because this candidate fits your criteria better this way or that way, depending on what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, I think it's well said. Uh, are you? Uh, do you endorse candidates at your newspaper? You know, Ricky, I've I've seen several other newspapers in the past do that, including your own uh, former newspaper that uh, that you worked with. And not only is it just not necessarily a good idea for me, because you know there are a lot of people with different influential you know passions for this side or that side, and. I, I hate to be the kind of guy that's like bucking up for, well, the advertisers say this or advertisers say that. You know me, and I'm not really that type of guy, but I also want to give both a fair shot if it's this close. You know, yeah. I think it's going to be this close. It'd be a difference if it was, 
you know, a support of where the state of Mississippi or the district down here on the coast had a big support for, you know, uh, one person over the other. And yeah. then the other person was just kind of a running all the time, lackluster opponent. But I really think these two guys have got a lot of good shots in both ways. And, uh, and I'm, I'm really supportive of both of their efforts. Yeah, as you pointed out, look, look, the commitment to do endorsements, especially in a place like coastal Mississippi. And I could really say the same thing about when I spent time in, in Mobile for, for coastal Alabama and then, of course, the, the southeast region of Louisiana as publisher of the, of the, of the uh, uh, Times-Picayune. The number of political subdivisions that we had to say grace over, Lord, how mercy. So when you decide that you want to do endorsements and you have a number of candidates that are engaged in that, it is a gigantic time commitment. I mean, to do it fairly, you gotta you gotta meet with the candidates, you gotta bring them into your editorial board meeting. All the members of the editorial board have to be present and I have to lead the meetings because at the end of the day, if we decide we're gonna we're gonna endorse one over the other, I wanna know that I was there for every conversation and I wanna I wanna know that when we decide we're gonna take a position that it's it's the best possible decision that we can make. So it's a huge Huge commitment. It's hard when you when you own your own newspaper to decide, uh, and you're sort of a, a you know you, the jack of all trades as I've described you before. You can't. There's no physical way you'd be able to to say grace over all of the elected well, positions. Well, Ricky, I'll be honest with you, and I've had a great opportunity to host the Long Beach political debate with both candidates. Yes, I've gotten that. That's almost like being an editorial board yeah. asking the questions that I came up with myself and the uh, the uh, high school student Jacoby Johnson that we came up with together. But that even getting their information, I can't openly endorse one candidate because their opinion might be relative towards a group of people in my area that, that covers that they're looking for this from a sheriff candidate, but that's not necessarily something of, you know, it's more of a, a conglomeration. Who is the entire community going to get behind? Well, I don't know if the entire community is about this for this candidate. I mean, I, I kind of do know a lot about certain areas that the community is going for, but I don't want to to put my support behind this one candidate just because myself and maybe some of my followers, you know, yeah. are like, okay, well, we have to, to push for this. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but what, Hunter, what I'm speaking to, though, is this notion of – endorsing in every race. <laughs> so yes, you've you yes, got absolutely. a bunch of statewide and you've got state legislative and you've got mayors and supervisors. And let's just say you happen to have a lot, of, you know, a presidential race even. So let's say you have a, a lot of potential, uh, a lot of folks to vote for on the ballot. It's a huge commitment to say, I'm going to go in and do my homework on every single one of them and then make a pick, you know, make absolutely. a pick and endorse it. Woo. It's a big commitment. And yeah. uh, I've been there, done that, and and, and it's, it's it's biting off a bunch. You definitely need a larger publication than just mine just to be able to do that from yeah. a wider national level. So yeah, it's 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 a it's it's a lot to say grace over. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, it's going to be it'll be interesting. I, I think the sheriff's race is going to bring some people out. The lieutenant governor's race may bring some people out. Yeah. Um, it's it would typically be one where. 
there might be a lot of yawning at election time, you know, just just f- for whatever reason. And uh, so, turn out the vote. Turn out the vote is going to be th- a big difference maker in this race, I believe. In Harrison County, you're absolutely right. Uh, there hasn't been this contested of a race in Harrison County, at least for the last eight, uh, you know, around eight years since when uh, current Sheriff Peterson uh, uh, unseated the the predecessor of him, uh, Melvin Bresselara, as the sheriff. But that was, even though that wasn't necessarily as big of a turnout as I think either one of them hoped for, this may eventually be a bigger turnout for both of those. But, you know, like I said, uh, or I've I've told you in the past, a 20% voter turnout is the average turnout in Harrison County. So anything better than that would be obviously good support from both candidates. It's sad, though, when you look at how few people vote and and how how much control over the outcome a few people can have and i guess the the you know people who don't vote can't complain about it because you know the outcome is the outcome and you had a chance to to weigh in and cast your ballot and you didn't and, and so i would many really people encourage question. people to participate you know so many people question about why there are so many more there's so much more in northern Mississippi of the influence of votes. They have a greater turnout than us. And that's even though we produce more of the revenue, they have the better turnout than us. They get to make more of those decisions at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another another race in Hank in Harrison County that will be interesting to watch is uh, Connie Rocco is not re- running for reelection. So her seat on the Harrison County Board of Supervisors is open and, um, you know, you know, good contested race happening there. So real opportunity here. Bring some new blood into the Harrison County Board of Supervisors. That's ne- never a bad thing. No, and the not. opportunity to, to advance the ball and uh, that that will be fun to watch too. And not only that, District Four supervisors race from the the other end of the spectrum. Uh, that's there's been some questions raised by you know the Sun Herald has come out, you know, uh, really going trying to ask some questions more than anything, not so much attacking, but asking a question. You know, Anita Lee wrote an article about the current supervisor, uh, but that that apparently that's been settled with the, the state auditor, even though I'm not necessarily sure the state auditor is happy about the, that, uh, the reaction. So, you know. But. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, our state auditor, incidentally, is in it to win it. He's, he's yeah. all in on on uh, protecting the the public fund and uh, it's been fun to to watch shad white in action we'll uh, we'll have him on actually soon to talk more about what he's up to these days he recently testified in congress and just a lot going on there hey we are having the opportunity to visit with my friend hunter dawkins from the gazebo gazette he's also a super talk uh contributor uh, thought leaders what we like to call them and uh, we'll continue the conversation when we get on the other side we'll see you after this Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of The Ricky Matthews Show on your laptop, desktop, or your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. 
His passion and love for coastal Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend Hunter Dawkins, who's the publisher of the Gazebo Gazette and a contributor to Super Talk Mississippi News, and someone I have a lot of admiration for. Because to be a small newspaper publisher these days, you got to be a jack of all trades. And how Hunter does what he does, I don't know how he does it. Because he covers high school and college. He even covers the Saints and 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 the Pelicans, and he's all over the place. And he writes important columns for Super Talk. I, I I don't know how you do it, Hunter. Well, my friend, I'll tell you this: if if I learned how to, uh, if I learned back in the day how to uh, be in with that. Matthew's fishing dynasty, setting the state <laughs> records and all that. You know that definitely that would be a one-on-one with it. So, well, we we enjoy our fishing world, that's for sure. I think a family that fishes together stays together. So, uh, we've had a lot of success just just enjoying being together on the water. That that is for sure. Hey, I know that you're working on this, so I don't want to let the cat out of the bag too much, but. Um, you and I did talk about this recently, this notion that Mississippi has a huge challenge in healthcare today. And I don't think the leaders of our state are talking about it enough. I just don't think they're talking about it enough. And here's the thing. Over 51% of Mississippians live in rural areas. And if you go back and study the census, what you'll learn is Mississippi is actually very unique in this respect that a lot of other states, people who live in the rural areas are working to get out of those rural areas. So a lot of people transitioning out of the rural areas. But Mississippians, they like their rural areas. They like to stay in their rural areas. I spent a lot of time in the Mississippi Delta. I know the challenges they're having at Greenwood Hospital. I've watched the challenges we're having with hospitals in rural parts of the state, even in the even in the most populated parts of our state, there are huge, huge uh, health care challenges. But the but the availability of affordable Avail, I mean, just available health care is, uh, is it, we're nosediving in the state, in certain parts of the state. We don't have, if, if you get in trouble in Greenwood, you've got to go to Jackson or you got to go to Memphis and maybe you can go to Grenada, maybe. And uh, it's not good, man. And I don't think we're dealing with it. Now, what Mississippi has done with the, with, with not expanding, and by the way, I'm conservative, I should have pointed out. And I watched, I watched what happened when Bobby Jindal was in Louisiana. I watched what happened with Governor Edwards became the, uh, the, 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 the governor. The very first move he made was to expand Medicaid, and, and it has had tremendous economic value for the hospitals in the state of, of uh, Louisiana. But for some political reason, we don't want to have the conversation and so we're not having the conversation. And meanwhile, we're saying no to a billion dollars a year. And that money could be coming to to especially the rural areas of the state and helping to to uh, to fund unfunded health care. And, and we're just not dealing with the issue because it's Obamacare. We're saying no to it year after year after year after year. And meanwhile, the health care system in Mississippi continues to collapse. It's not good, Hunter. And well, I know you've been thinking about it. Well, and Ricky, you know, my biggest point to you guys and the Super Talk team up in Jackson was that there is this whole idea 
that maybe it's a painted movement by the conservative base. I, I'm not sure. I can't speak to that because I try to remain neutral all the way across the board. But there's this entitlement socialism ideal that is coming to the spectrum. And the fact, when you look at the writing at the end of the wall, every congressional report that I've looked at, because I still have access to to Congressional Research Service report from my time when I worked in D.C. for about five years. But that that program, the report, it tells you, it says, if Mississippi would accept Medicaid, the all these different benefits could happen. Jobs, the hospitals not closing, the, the people providing so much so many more opportunities from healthcare coverage. That alone right there should equal, you know, sign on the end of the dot. And it just hasn't. And it's not. And I've talked with the governor in several of my interviews with him. You know, where is why is this happening this way? You you're a numbers guy, Governor Reeves. This is all about the numbers. These are working in your favor. Just because of polarization towards something directed towards this or that, or because it's a Democratic administration that made this happen, even though if you look farther back, way back when President Reagan, in his, during his later years, they had really kind of were attempting to push for this policy approach with Medicaid, and they partially created the Medicaid division for states even though it was uh, the Medicare system was under uh, FDR and Lyndon Johnson, the creation of it. But the, during Reagan's administration, they really tried to get on board and push this forward. And it just so happened that President Obama, during his administration, his first few years, the Democrats were in control and they put this policy through. And why, like you said, with Louisiana, with even Alabama, I, I believe Alabama is kind of looking into this even further because they see so many beneficial opportunities, not, you know, not this dreadfulness of hospital closures, uh, people not being covered, cutting people off after the pandemic last week. You know, the Division of Medicaid had to cut off was like 29,000 people from Medicaid because of the pandemic. But at the end of the day, the benefits far outweigh the negatives. The, that's the political. And, and meanwhile, you have uh, you have conservative think tanks. You have conservative columnists in this state who are writing that uh, expanding Medicaid won't 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 matter. It won't save the situation. Look, no one says that expanding Medicaid is going to save hospitals or health care in Mississippi. There's a there's a dual there's a dual opportunity for us. We need to re-engineer the health care system in Mississippi. We need to decide how do we want to approach this. And as Tiffany Murdoch, the former CEO of Singing River Health System, pointed out, we have to decide, okay, where where do we want the 
the the full service hospital healthcare system to be located in this state, and then the next tier would be sort of a triage capability, but it's tightly connected and integrated to the overall healthcare system. We need that. We need you know to to be competitive today, as we've seen in the conversations with with the cell of, of uh, Singing River, to be competitive today on the capital expenditures that have to be made to be on the cutting edge of surgery and all these different diagnostics. You, it costs millions, tens of millions of dollars. And then you got insurance, you got all this this centralized uh, negotiating that's taking place. And I mean, the, the list just goes on and on. There's so many challenges. So expanding Medicaid is not going to solve the problem, but boy, will it contribute financially in a gigantic way. It's, if we had a billion dollar project that we could get, we would call a special pro- we spe- call a special session of the legislature and get it done. But because this is somehow connected to Obamacare, we won't want we don't want it. Even though there have been Republican governors accepting expansion across the United States, uh, we're so far behind the eight ball on this one. We just I wish we could have a, a rational discussion about it. Ricky, I'll remind you of something that you and I have talked about a bunch. That you you have told me a bunch after Hurricane Katrina. Y'all had to make some steps with Haley Barber came down and set up the the committee where y'all had to make some moves. You didn't know how things were going to work out. There was no idea of plans on. There is figures. There are reports that have been said how this is going to work out. Just because we don't exactly know because it hasn't happened. I mean, can you imagine some of the things that that would have not happened if y'all hadn't taken actions after yeah. Hurricane Katrina? Yeah, no, there's no doubt, and I think I think what what the governor should do, with help from the lieutenant governor and the speaker of the house, they should have an all hands hit hit the deck effort, just like the governor's commission, and just like the governor's commission on recovery, rebuilding, and renewal after Hurricane Katrina, to put a a bipartisan effort together to say the state of healthcare in Mississippi, 51 percent of Mississippians live in rural areas, and many of them, too many of them, don't have access. And it's just not just about the rural areas, but but this is something that affects every hospital and every healthcare provider in the state. The reality though is we got to fix it. And what's the you know let's put a bipartisan effort with great leadership. Let's bring some of the most powerful CEOs into the conversation and let's start an effort to try to define what does a reengineered healthcare system in Mississippi what does it look like and what role does expansion of Medicaid play within that context. Um, we're just not having the conversation. We're just nibbling around on the edges. Sure. Meanwhile, you keep hearing one report after another where surgery is being stopped at this hospital, OBGYN is being stopped. How would you like to be pregnant in certain parts of this state right now? If you're if you're pregnant across the bridge over here in Hancock County, you have to either go to New Orleans or Memorial to have the baby. We gotta we gotta have this conversation, and we just I don't have, I don't know what the answers are, but I, what I do know is I've seen, as you pointed out after Hurricane Katrina, we can get our heads around some pretty complicated things in this state, and we need to do it on the healthcare uh, dimension, and we're not talking enough about this. That's just the reality. Of, we're not talking enough about it. Hey, when I come back from Hunter, uh, when I end my conversation with Hunter Dawkins, we'll talk about um, Southern Miss and the Saints and high school sports. We'll talk about it all. We'll see you after this break.
Subscribe for free to the Ricky Matthews Show podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reminding you why we all love living in coastal Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. Uh, listen, we don't get involved in too many issues too often, um, but you know this notion of the healthcare system in Mississippi is something we got to get serious about. And see, I think you can be a Republican. I'm conservative. I do think there's a role for government on social issues. I learned that well after Hurricane Katrina. We all did. I'm very conservative when it comes to uh, the free enterprise system and entrepreneurship and, and and regulation and these things that get in the way of helping us thrive economically. So I'm very conservative on those kinds of issues. So I'm a moderate. I'm somewhere in between. And I think you can be a Republican and be for Medicaid expansion because every you know just about every state in the nation has done it. And only the hard-headed states that are holding out. And all you need to do is go to a state that's expanded and study what's happened there, like Louisiana, just next door. And the economic development and opportunities for uh, for, for health care and paying for health care is something that um, that is pretty profound. And we need we need to we need to have the conversation more seriously. We need to look at this as a hurricane just hit Mississippi as a health care hurricane, and we're going to respond to it the way we would a disaster. That's what we need to do in Mississippi, and we're not doing it currently. We're, we're just kind of nibbling around the edges. Sorry, because I don't usually get off on a on a soapbox, but you know that's one I feel strongly about. Okay, Hunter, it's so much fun to watch the Saints do what they're doing right now. I've enjoyed visiting with Jeff every Jeff Duncan every week to kind of get a feel for it, but. You know, man, they they're not playing. They came in to build a winner around Derek Carr, That's and true. I'm I'm pleased with the with the moves I'm seeing. I, I'm very pleased uh, the where they are going towards in the training camp. Now, I have heard some recent stuff about how they're going to uh, a few of the uh, rookies are sitting out, but but that. That's just a little bit more of the norm than anything else. Uh, just trying to break it down to 53. How many people that you want for the training camp? But I'm telling you what, though, as hot as it's been the last couple weeks, it's going to be interesting there in that training camp. Uh, I don't even. They're going to earn their money. They're going to be inside a lot. Well, you know how cold it is inside say, that room. I was yeah. say is last year it rained a bunch and we were inside a, a, a few times, but I wouldn't be surprised if that happened again with the heat. So. Yeah, I remember I, when I was publisher of the of the newspaper in New Orleans, I had the opportunity to go over to meet with uh, Tom Benson and Miss Benson and Mickey Loomis and Dave, and uh, and uh, uh, Lashow Dean. Uh, and I walked over. Uh, they had just built these little um, these little um, patios on their offices on the second floor, overlooking the training facility. Yep. And Mickey Loomis and I walked over there, and and uh, we looked out over the that area. And I, I remember that was actually at the beginning of the summer. It was hot then. I, I, and my thought in my mind was, my goodness, man, I can't imagine being all, you know, with full pads and going at it, how, how hot it would be. And I know Miss Gale doesn't get a lot of uh, credit for this, but Miss Gale's at every single practice. She always makes sure that she's known she's there. She's usually talking with Mickey or, or Mr. Lashow or something as such, you know, but that, she is 
a very quality owner, and she's putting all of her feet down in the right direction. She's done a really good job, and as Jeff, you know, Jeff broke the story on the Benson family division that was created just as he was, you know, getting near his death, and. Um, thank goodness that she got she she maintained control of the team as a result of all that. That's that's really good for the city because had it gone the other direction, I knew the other parties well. It would be a mess, I'm afraid. And what we have, we've been able to keep this wonderful team, a wonderful president and dean, and then of course with Mickey Loomis doing what he does so well. Uh, Mickey actually looked looked over toward me at one point during the meeting. I mentioned this to you before, as they were they had just bought the Pelicans. And, of course, they had the Saints. He said, man, we're trying something that's never been tried before. You know, the same ownership group owning two professional sports franchises in the same city. And, um, you know, they, you know, I, I like some of what I'm hearing about the Pelicans. I mean, it, it does look like, you know, the injuries killed them last year. But, you know, you know, their stars are saying the right thing. Hopefully Zion can come back and actually play for a season. Wouldn't that be something? Well, and I think after the – kind of social media level and the trade rumors kind of quieted down. Uh, I think uh, the team is really getting forward and getting ready to start a, a new preparation. And they had a good summer league last week. Yeah. I think five and two or something such, but they, they were competitive in every single game. And uh, that's great when you got the rookies coming out there or the second year players coming out there and producing as much as they have. And, uh, you know, that's, that's where I guess we're trying to build a, you know, they are trying to build a, a minor league style team where you up come from the roots. You start at the G League and you build up through the ranks. Uh, I know the NBA doesn't necessarily appear that way most of the time, but the Pelicans seem to be doing that. And uh, we've got the, the kid from Ohio State who was injured all last year, EJ Liddell. He's going to be coming back, and he he was very productive, and all the rest. It was good, good stuff. And let's just hope that we can keep Zion healthy. You know, Jeff's big concern about Zion is that he's so big. He's such a big, and he's so aggressive that what will the, so far he has not passed the test in terms of his feet and their ability to sort of take the, 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 the brunt. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Well, and as I've told you before, Ricky, too, with Zion, what he really needs, in my opinion, is he needs a somebody to come in there and tell him. And he had uh, Coach D'Antoni, uh, who was the uh, one of the assistants to the team the last couple of years, who was a previous coach for the Phoenix Suns and uh, some other teams. But he needs to have like a Coach K-style guy who coached him in, in college. And he did with Stan Van Gundy when he was there earlier. But um, But he needs to have a guy that really comes in there and tells him, you need to get on the floor just because you're hurting one way or the other. The bet, the more production he has on the court, and the better he plays, the better things work out. So that's listen. Uh, it's going to be so coming back to the Saints. It's going to be so interesting to watch. Derek Carr has has some real talent. He's going to be throwing to, and uh, if we can keep our stars healthy. My goodness, man, he's got some he's got some weapons. Well, as you know, Ricky, I'm an offensive line guy, and for me, it always starts with the trench. And I, I not only when I coached in high school, it was always you know those guys dictate 
how much he's going to get open, how much, you know, things are going to work. Uh, you know, I, I guess we're all waiting for Kamara to hear what's going to happen with the suspension, how many games and all. I'm probably I've, – I've been thinking about it for a while. I might even write a piece pretty soon. Probably going to be around six games was the precedent that was set, but I'm not sure, uh, you know, it's it's hard to tell with uh, with uh, Roger who what he's going to take because he's not necessarily favorable of the New Orleans Saints in the past. He's year. not, but here's the thing. Okay, so we've talked about on the on on the show that there was a video from the taxi cab that wasn't didn't look good for them. Of course, the video at the Las Vegas hotel where the event happened. We don't know the mitigating circumstances. We don't know. There, you know, you can only see what you see on video. What what is in Alvin Kamara's face Favor is the fact that he has had an exemplary, uh, you know, personnel record. You know, he's been a leader. He's been cerebral, philosophical. He's well-read, smart as hell, great role model. This was so far outside of his normal behavior. It's incredible. And I think that's why they brought the charge down to a misdemeanor because they, you know, they didn't see anything in the past or no pattern was being set for that. So. Yeah. I'm hoping that that works for the Saints and works for Kamara in general. But we also have Jamal Williams, who led the uh, the NFL in touchdowns last year for the Lions. And Jamal's been playing pretty hard, pretty good. Got the TCU kid that we drafted. Um, it's, it's looking good. There's going to be a yeah. lot of talent out there. Yeah, TCU kids coming off of uh, uh, coming off of uh, knee surgery, but they think he'll be ready. And then you've got um, you've got you know, I mean, listen, Taysom Hill. You know, they he, at least at least in the early days of the discussion, they they they're going to be putting him more into a wide receiver role. He had, I mean, he had over 500 yards on the ground last year, man. I mean, just incredible. See, to me, Ricky, that's where it's going to benefit Taysom more than anything else is because he's going to have all these weapons around him. Therefore, they're not going to be able to double team him. They're not going to, it's going to open up the patterns a lot better for him. And I think, I personally think that's going to be a good thing for the New Orleans Saints. Well, again, if we can just keep our stars healthy, if they, you know, we can, you know, cross the board on our receiving core. We we've got we've got a lot to look forward to, and then of course the defense is coming back is strong, and you've got some some incredible superstars emerging at cornerback, and we picked up some great young talent. So, and the defensive linemen, the ones that we lost were good, but then we got some back that were even younger and better. So. Yeah, but as we've discussed on the before, you and I, and then Jeff and I have talked about this as well on our Friday show. The defensive line had performed well, but last year they didn't perform very well. And not so, on the running game, not on the yeah, running yeah, and right. and man, the running game is what makes the difference. I mean, you gotta That's you gotta own got. it up front. So anyway, That's when we come back, we'll continue. We're gonna talk about uh, Hunter's gonna be doing something special as it relates to Gupport High football this year, and we'll talk more about that. We'll see you after this. Also, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show, and thank you for listening on 103.1 or at Super Talk TV or the Super Talk app or at YouTube or Facebook or your favorite podcast. I, I use Spotify. That's just my favorite podcast, and or excuse me, my favorite platform because I listen to a lot of music. I have a wide ranging love of music from from uh, you know some rock, but a lot of country, a lot of classical music. I love uh, blues, jazz. I got it all. But also have the Ricky Matthews show on my Spotify so I can just pull it up and and uh, if I miss a show, I can uh, I can go back and listen to it that way. So if you're on Spotify, just uh, do a search on the Ricky Matthews show and use that as a way to sort of cue it up for yourself. And uh, thank you again for listening in this multimedia world that we're in today. Hey, when we went to break with my friend Hunter Dawkins from the Gazebo Gazette, we, we mentioned that Something special is happening this year as it relates to Gupport High football. I'm excited that you're going to be the color guy this year, and the Super Talk's going to be doing the doing the the, the, the weekly presentations of those games. I, and I can't say thank you enough to to Kim and uh, Steve. You know, it's Kim being the CEO, Steve being the owner. They've uh, they've had a lot of faith in me, and they've really put together them and the sales team really have have worked hard with me, and we've got to. Me and my, myself and Harold Rose, who's a good friend of mine, who's a West Harrison High teacher, uh, we, we're going to do this. We're going to make this happen, and uh, it's great. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. So, Cupport High football games on Super Talk. What a cool thing! And you'll get to know Hunter really well, as you see from our conversations. He's sort of got a good analytical mind when it comes to analyzing things. He was a football player. He was a offensive line coach. So uh, he he gets this stuff, and uh, he'll be able to see stuff that the average person doesn't see. But you do win in the trenches, don't you, my friend? That's that's absolutely right, and it's. Uh, so many levels, uh, especially in high school football, a lot of the games, it doesn't necessarily matter the talent. It's more about what's around you and what's going to make you being able to win games. So, so people said a Southern Miss, they go into the Sunbelt Conference, they, 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 uh, they'll they just be a mediocre participant. But then you go and look at how each of their sports have already been performing. It's incredible how well they've done, isn't it? It's amazing, Ricky. They've been predicted by Vegas Prediction to win four games this year. You look at their schedule, it's almost like, Wow, I can guarantee five games right off the bat. I can make some money on a Vegas bet. But it's, you know, I'm guessing that it's a lot of things about, you know, offensive production because they're putting in a new quarterback this year instead of having to rely just on Frank Gore and the Wildcat system and all that. But they they really have a solid team, and they've got a lot of guys coming back, a lot of guys coming back from injuries. Um, I'm really interested in seeing Will Hall in the group uh, for at the Sunbelt Conference in uh, New Orleans next week. It's going to be great. Well, look, I've had uh, I've had wonderful conversations with President Joe Paul about this, and you know, I, I'm a big fan of his. I'm Dr. so happy Paul's to see, him. Great guy. He's see a great him in guy. that position. I've known him for many, many, many years, worked with him in 
so many different iterations of his career. And before he was named the president of Southern Miss, I was, you know, saying, what do we have to do to, to ramp up the conversation around you? You're not an interim. You should be the permanent. And the, the college board was wise to do what they did. But, you know, you had a you had for, for many, many years, you had on the football side of the operation what you still have on the baseball side of the operation. That is that, you know, just a few guys for the history of the program. And then suddenly we the football side got away from it. You know, one you have a guy for a couple of years, another guy for a couple of years, another guy for a year. And did just too much change, man. And what what excites Joe Paul about Will Hall is that he is the guy who appears that he's going to be here for the long haul. Great young, you know, talent, terrific uh, football mind, ability to to recruit like nobody's business. And in the day of NIL and the transfer portal and all the other challenges these guys have, he's somebody. We need somebody who's going to be here for the long haul. And uh, and and I, I really think he's going to be a winner. Well, and I'll be honest with you, Ricky. Each one of these three coaches, the the football, baseball, and basketball are Mississippi guys. There, Will Hall, his father was a legend, a high school coach, Coach Bobby Hall. Coach Ladner, I've known him for years. You know, down here on the coast is a Hattiesburg. His dad is in the Hall of Fame. Um, Chris, uh, Coach O is what I always call him in, in Southern Miss baseball. He's got nothing but love, you know, for this this team and for this this area. It's uh, it's hard to, to get three coaches that are that much invested in such a small program on the national perspective. I think it's it's going to be outstanding production. So. Well, look, I mean, again, football is going to do well. Basketball already has done extremely well, and we know the story on baseball. It just keeps getting better. But it's exciting to be a fan. We didn't even talk about SEC days that just happened. You know, just happened, and uh, Super Talk Mississippi, the, the team there owned that conversation. It was incredible how Big. good those team that team is. But hey, we're out of time for today. Keep up the good work, my friend. I can't wait to catch up with you again. Absolutely, man. Hey, I enjoy your show, and thank you guys for doing what you do. You bet. This has been Hunter Dawkins. And uh, anyway, have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.